Welcome to the Rote Interview Specials of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to the interview special of Iron Man Talk, um, based from a rote. Um, Iron Man Talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com and athlinks.com, so go check out those sites and we'll talk uh, just briefly about those at the end. Anyway, this today's show is basically, I got last night, I was pretty lucky because I got a chance to catch up with Chris McCormick. Um, Scott Davies, who came and did Epic Camp a while ago, basically said to me, oh, I'm staying with Chris, if you want to check up an interview, feel free. So yesterday morning I got to meet Chris, and uh, they had a breakfast, with, it was really quite cool, because they had all the pros here, and I, I imagine it was for some sponsorship people, but there was only around 30 people there, So, uh, and that's including the pros, so it was pretty cool, we got to kind of meet everybody. Uh, at the time, I asked Chris if I could jack up an interview, and he was really cool. And he said, "Yeah, come around tonight, mate." And uh, so we went around to his house last night, and uh, we just basically sat outside and talked about triathlon stuff. You'll notice there's lots of outside sounds. You hear the birds whistling, um, the dogs barking, and so it's kind of there's lots of outside noise because we're sitting outside on the veranda. So just be aware of that. You know, can't really do much about that. Plus. Um, where we were staying, Chris's family um, that were looking after him came out and did tea. So it's very casual. There's a couple of times where we stop and stuff. So persevere with it. It's not really that much of a problem, but just thought I'd let you know that's coming up. Um, was there anything else I need to add? I wrote a little note down here. No, that's pretty much it. So uh, get on. Here it is. Here's Chris McCormick. The guy is a bloody legend. Righto guys, so right next to me right now, I'm lucky enough to actually Scott from Epic Camp, uh, Scott Davies actually sent me an email, he says I'm, st- I'm camping out with Macca when I'm in Rote, and I said mate you've got to hook me up, and so uh, Scott's been a legend and I'm sitting next to Chris McCormick right now, and uh, and uh, yeah I'm pretty excited about it to be honest, so I just thought I'd start the interview um, by saying you've got Rofe coming up this weekend, uh, well, I should actually do more of an intro, you've been around in the sport, how long have you been in the sport for? Oh since uh, my first race was... Uh, November of uh, 1992. November so of 1992. 15 years. 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. And you raced ITU? I grew up, yeah, I, I, I raced ITU until 2002. Yeah. And then uh, came across to Ironman. And, and did, you, did you kind of do a mixing period in between? Yeah, I was mixing around and like, I had this uh, this idea that I wanted to do. I didn't know whether I wanted to go to the Olympics or, or go to Hawaii. And I guess it was a little bit of arrogance in the sense I thought that I'd win Hawaii within the first one or two chances. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be able to, you know, sort of put that goal aside and then focus on. At the time, it was going to be Athens, but yeah. geez, we're one year out from Beijing, and I still haven't won Hawaii, so I finally put the Olympic dream to bed. And so, because like I know there's all this Norman stuff at me, but I know apparently is this true that you were going to kind of do aim to do Beijing and not even do Hawaii this year? Yeah, well, in a perfect world, I would have won last Hawaii year. last year, yeah. and then um, a focus on on the Olympics. It's just after watching Hamish do so well yeah. in Athens at, at 35 years of age. Um, it was it was inspiring. And Hamish is someone I really uh, I've raced since 1993, uh, and I really model not model, but I, I look at his results and, and assess what what I not what I can do. But yeah. we, we've had such great battles in the past on yeah. the short course, and he's a guy I admire and respect immensely. And I was so ecstatic that he won Athens, and I yeah. thought, you know what, that's just passion. He did that with pure heart and, yeah. uh, and desire, and I, I, I thought I want a piece of that. And uh, mm. so Beijing was something I definitely looked at, but after. You know everything that happened in Kona last year. I guess yeah, as you get older, you're looking for motivation, and that, that'll keep me motivated for the next few years. Yeah, bring it on. So you got Rote coming out this weekend. Um, how are you feeling about the race? 
Yeah, looking forward to it. It's um, it's a it's a race I really enjoy. I think it's the the best triathlon event on the planet. Really? Period. Yeah, it's it's, so it's phenomenal. Just the atmosphere of the race, the the courses, spectacular. The history of the event. You know, I'm very much a historian of the sport, and I think it's fantastic that events like this have been around for 20 years, and, yeah. and they should be supported because so many new races that don't have any history. And mm. being a young sport, it's it's imperative that we look after the events that have history because that's yeah. what with history gives you a sport. You know, Wimbledon's 100 years old. Yeah. If we keep changing venues and stuff on our sport, then we'll have no events to look back at in 20, 30 years' time. And yeah. uh, Roth is one of those events every. Every great triathlete in the history of our sports raced here, so it's a good measuring stick against the guys that have come in the past. It's the same course it has been for 20 years, and and uh, you know I just I think the spectators here are incredible. You you know there's hundreds of thousands of people that line the course, and they're all informed spectators as opposed to a couple of people wondering what the hell we're doing out there. And yeah. uh, it's exciting. It's it's uh, the town really gets behind it, and uh, the event is you, you'll see on Sunday. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Hey, um, you were, today we had a bit of a get together this morning, and you were talking, and you mentioned that rope was the reason you decided to do the sport. Do you want to share that with? Yeah, well, I, I or at least Ironman. Yeah, yeah, Ironman in particular. I came across to to Europe. I finished college in '95 and decided to turn professional in '96 as a triathlete to the to the horror of my parents. They, uh, they get not, a real job. Yeah, get a real job. And uh, I came over in 96, raced for a French club and, and came back in 1997 to, to train out of France on the, on the the to do the World Cup circuit, the ITU. And, and this race in, in Rot was on and I thought, man, I've read about this race in the magazines as a kid. I'm going to go up and watch it because we were doing an event the week later in Koblenz in Germany. So okay. me and a good friend of mine came up here and it was the year the world record was broken and you know, Jürgen Zach, Thomas Hellregel, Luke Van Leer, um, Lothar Leder, just We've got Paul Kuru, everybody was yeah. in that event and, and I watched it and I was, first and foremost, I was impressed with the crowd. I'd never seen anything like it. I was on the Solera Berg and I was a full-on tri-geek for the day yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was absolutely impressed at how fast these guys rode a bike. The television never did it justice mm. and, and, and for the first time I looked at these guys you know, I was on the World Cup circuit, and we had sticky tape on our sponsors. It was a re- that really that period before the Sydney Olympics when the ITU had just got us into the Olympics, and they were apprehensive about sponsorship and that. And here I am watching Jurgen Zach with a big beer sponsor over him. Yeah. It just it just looked like a professional sport, and I said, "Man, I want a piece of that. That's what I that's what I want to do." So uh, here I am, ten years later. Do you think, in a way, that the transition's actually gone in between? That's no, right. Do you think the uh, we've got a bit of music on the background yeah. and we're good <laughs> dancing around? Do you think that, in a way, Iron Man's kind of dropped the ball a little bit in that way? I, I think it's becoming um, too common, you know. I, I, and I, I believe in the in that, you know, when I first came, what, what inspired me and what brought me to triathlon from a running background was the wow factor of the sport. You yeah. know, I used to. You know, you used to see it in the early 90s, especially in the 80s, when people would go, you do what? You swim how far? And, yeah. and, and, and now it's, it's, it seems that we're losing that wow factor because people are just, uh, you know, you stand around the, the water cooler at work and people are like, I'm doing an Ironman on the weekend and you've got 25 people saying, well, I've done one of those. Yeah. You know, I think there's no... Um, the sense of achievement sense of achievement common. anymore it's becoming very very common and, and they're making it very very easy to yeah. and I mean this in the, in the nicest, yeah, the yeah, nicest way like I, I think you know, I've talked about a lot with friends about that there should be a grading system in the Ironman or, a, or, or an ability to say okay you're a you're a gold medal finisher in the Ironman. That means you finish the Ironman in under 12 hours. Yep. You get a gold medal finishers medal. Oh, nice. And then if you finish between 12 and 15 hours, you get a silver medals finisher. And, and that way it gives you ability to, to aspire to something else because it, it just seems 
that when people do an Ironman, it's very difficult to take time away from your family and that, especially people who are working. And yeah. if you've done one, then you've done it. So I think um, if you had something else to aspire to, if you say, well, I'm a gold medal Ironman finisher, yeah. someone who's a silver medal finisher. And then there's more than just Hawaii. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you'd, get, you'd, get, um, you'd get people aspiring to get that gold medal Ironman finisher, which might get them to do five or six Ironman. Because I, I think you look at the shelf life of many triathletes, and I know this because I own retail shops in Australia, they tend to come in all enthusiastic. Yep. That tends to last for three years and they're gone. Yeah. You know, there's this small core group of people that have been around the sport for a while. Yeah. But most of the people you see come in very, very heavy and then they go out just as quickly. And, and, and I think it's it's retaining the people that have done the sport that will be imperative for the success of the sport in the long run. As, as a top pro, you know, you're you know, pretty much one of the biggest ones in the game. Um, we, when John and I were on the show last week and we were talking about how the ITU's got a $200,000 yeah. winner's purse. Yeah, it was on last weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, huge money. Ironman doesn't seem to be matching that. Do you think that's hurting the sport? I think it's... Um, I think the ITU do have, have done a wonderful job in securing a, a sponsor in BG, the British yep. um, oil gas company. And yep. uh, I think the dilemma with um, the WTC is they're a profit-driven organisation. Yeah. And, uh, and whenever you're profit-driven, the profits... Is the key. Yeah, it's yeah. the key. Where the ITU is is, uh, is an Olympic-driven, it's driven by the Olympics. So when the sponsorship dollars come in, mm. the money is distributed to the athletes who drive the, yep. who drive the whole mechanism. Where in the WTC, they're all about saving dollars for themselves, which private enterprise with competition yep. increases efficiency and the events are, are spectacularly run. But I think there's been no upcry by the by the, by the the athletes in the sport to yeah. say, hey, we should be getting more money. I, th- I think Ironman Hawaii should have a million dollars prize money minimum. Yeah. It, it sparks interest from people who don't do our sport. Well, it's one you of know, the world events, isn't it's it? It's one of the world events. Yeah. And, and it, it's 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 funny that people who have never watched an Ironman turn it on and they go, wow, they did all that. What did they get paid? A hundred grand? Is that it? Yeah. You know these. And it's the big one, isn't it? That's the biggest one. People people say that to me. Yeah, you get only ten thousand dollars for winning that. Like, yeah. What, what do you buy? There's no. I remember the first time in golf, watching the million dollar. The first I've forgotten the guy's name who had that putt. What's that? He was putting for a million dollars. It was the first time in history of golf. It was in the late eighties. Yep. That a guy was putting for a million dollars, and the whole world stopped for it. You yeah, know? like yeah, and it, I was not—I wasn't even a golfer. Yeah. But it brought interest because you're like, man, this guy makes his shot at a million dollars, yeah. and it should be the same. And same in all sports, that money at that end and at the professional end, it encourages interest. So I watched the World Series poker on television because I'm like, yeah, they get seven million bucks. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? I'm trying to my ass off. Yeah, and I don't play poker, but I think it sparks an interest because it's something that people yeah. who don't do our sport can relate to. They're yeah. like, wow. You know, yeah, they make because one one thing we were bring up as well is that for the young up and coming really good triathletes is that um, they're going to stay off ITU. Totally. You know, we're not, we're, yeah. you know, like you, you know, you and a few other guys, but we're not going to get many up and coming guys coming through because where's the appeal? Totally, and it, it's it's especially when you've got races like two hundred thousand. Oh, you've got you've got a lot. Of, there's another one in Qatar coming up, and 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 Les McDonald gets a hard time, you know, yep. and they they give him a hard time, but I. I have no animosity to my short course career. A lot of people say, oh, when you left short course, you're angry that you left. I have yeah. none. And, and I have only fond memories of the ITU and, yeah. and everything. And I think Les McDonald's doing an incredible mm. job. To get our sport in the Olympics is phenomenal. Yep. Um, I think what some of the federations are doing around the world to control their athletes, to keep them in the in that is, is, is wrong. But I think where the sport's headed with Les is phenomenal. And mm. I think the WTC needs to jump on board that and, and, and say, okay, we need to change the packaging of the of the TV. We need to create champions. Yeah, we need to yeah. Create Every heroes. sport needs to start. You don't need they? stars. Yeah. It's a Tiger Wood effect and, and Michael and Jordan. Michael Jordan, yeah. and you need 
a depth of champions. You need you need to focus on the guy who's coming yep. ninth because yep. he could be the next one. Like yeah. you don't, they just focus on first or second, and and this guy came third. And, and by the way, yeah. Mary Jo finished in fourth. And she's got five kids, and yeah. she's an, you know it's they're great feel good stories. But yeah. For me, as a young guy, I was inspired by Mark Allen, Dave Scott, these yeah. s- superstars. And if you want to inspire a youth, it's not inspired by. They can't relate to a a forty five year old lady with four kids yeah. at twenty years of yeah. age, yeah. And, and and they can relate to a million dollar superstar, can't they? Yeah, superstar. yeah, and yeah. that's that's how you're going to encourage new younger people, the f- stars of the future, to enter the sport. Inspire one, them. One thing that uh, Felix has put on this weekend is to, is to if you beat the world record, um, which is seven fifty, which is just phenomenal when you think of it. Yeah. Uh, although you're not far off it. So if you beat the record, you, you get a hundred thousand. Yes. So that's pretty cool. Um, what you what you on you're on the record? You like that? I think it's it's phenomenal. I think we should focus on records more. I think records is the only measuring stick of of, of a performance on the on the same course. And yep. and in in the world record in our sport, we don't talk about it enough. It's the fastest time anyone's ever done an Ironman. And, and I bet you, if you ask half the pros in the world, what's the world record? Off the top of their head, they wouldn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And it's something I guess coming from an athlete athletics background, the that whole sport is driven off world records, hundred meters. What how far are you from the world record? The fifteen. Everyone's looking for world records, and and I think um, it's imperative that we focus on this more. We focus on on records, and and the world record is it's been held for ten years now. Is sport loses its appeal? I think if imagine the hundred meter world record wasn't broken for forty years, yeah. people would be like, what what's wrong with the? Yeah. You know, it needs. Yeah. You need they're there to be broken. And, it shows and performance and increasing. It shows performance it? increasing. Yeah. It shows it shows <coughs> depth in the sport. It shows uh, an evolution of the sport. And uh, and I think you know I've, I'm working as a little bit of an ambassador for this event in Roth, and I've I've said to Felix and, and the team here at Challenge, let's bring your strength is you're the fastest course in the world, yep. you've got the the greatest event in the world, you, you you've had every single one of the world's best athletes racing your course. It's the same course as it has been for 20 years. Yep. Put some money up for the world record and say, okay, guys. Anyone who wants to come and break the world record, there's a hundred thousand. I said, build that up to five hundred thousand. Yep. I said, they will come, Felix. Inspire them. Tell them, and people will start to scratch their head and go, you know what? I, I think I'm half a shot at that. Yep. And that will bring the people. You don't need to keep butting heads with Frankfurt, butting heads with these other events. Yep. You are the best event in the world. Believe you are the best event in the mm. world, and start doing things that the other events don't do, and they will come. It's like yep. that movie. If you build it, they will come. Yep. And, and dream, feel and, dreams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And a hundred thousand dollars is just the start. I'd, I'd like to see that that go up and up, and and, and really reward people Great. for yeah, yeah. Because that world record is seven fifty twenty seven. That is just ridiculous. When you write that down on paper, how fast that is. Yeah. And anyone who does that deserves a million bucks in, yeah. in my books. One thing I asked you this morning, and it kind of threw you a little bit. I think is I asked you um, at the end of your career, would you prefer to have won Hawaii or have the world record? Yes. Uh, I said if I could break the world record in Hawaii, that would be <laughs> I. I I've had more time to think about that. I think just with everything that's happened, and, and, and I think Hawaii would be the, the most important for me yeah. now. I, yeah. I never thought it's the one event in, in my career that has taken the longest to, to conquer and it's become a little bit of a uh, project. Mm. You know, I, I honestly, again, without trying to sound arrogant, I thought I would win Hawaii within the first two or three years of doing it, and then I wouldn't have to do it. I, didn't, I never thought in my life that I'd still be doing Ironman now. I thought. Yeah. First go, I went away. If not the first, definitely the second. And when I went to Hawaii the first time, I remember being 12 and a half minutes in, in the lead off, yeah. off after the bike, and I was running out, high-fiving my father, going, "It's mine. This is in the bag." You know, like, <laughs> these guys are kidding themselves. I thought they were 
And then I remember at 10 miles when I cramped up and fell apart, still in my head, whether it was arrogance or sheer, you know, I guess it's arrogance, sheer ego, I remember pulling out thinking, man, I, I didn't get my nutrition right. Next year I'm going to kick all your guys' yeah. ass. I'm just going to go home early. I've had a good season and yeah. next year you're dead. Yeah. And I think I disrespected the enormity of Ironman in the sense that a lot of short course guys do yeah. because it's such an, short course is such an aggressive racing tactic where Ironman is much more of a patience game. And, and I think... Hawaii, because it's it's been such an Achilles heel in my career. Yep. It's 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 become much more important because so many people doubt, and I love to yep. set the doubters straight. And I believe I can win. That's that's the most important. It was the one thing I really admire about you. I was watching you this morning, just when you talk. You seem to have this ability. You seem to to me, just from someone who doesn't know you, looking at you, that you have this. You love the challenge. Yeah, I do. You uh, know, like you don't you don't you don't back down and. Is that, so is that just something your personality, or what is I think that? It's, well, I, I think that comes from, and I think the Americans misconstrue that as arrogance. And yeah. I'm the most. No, you don't. You don't come across arrogant. You're confident, but I'm, I'm a person. Everyone's looking for their their way to to, to get the best out of themselves. And yep. I guess I, I grew up. My parents, and in particular my mother, who was who was very much about chasing your dreams. And if you're going to do something, do it properly and believe in yourself. Yeah. And. You know, and I've always, when I came across the Ironman, the big shock from the Americans was that, you know, I arrived in Hawaii and they're like, how do you think you'll go? I said, oh, mate, I'm, I think I'll win. Yeah. <laughs> and they looked at me like, how dare you say yeah. that you think you're going to win? Like, yeah. show a bit of respect. And as I tell you, I have the utmost respect for this sport. I have mm. the utmost respect for the champions before me. But I didn't train 15 weeks of my life flogging myself to death up and down to turn up to turn up and hope that i do well Mm. man it's personal to me it's time away from my family it's it's i'd rather be surfing for 15 weeks to be quite honest with you 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 flog your body and every athlete does to win and anyone who's turning up and doesn't think they can win like what are you turning up for yeah you know and that's I've, i've always always been that and i like to put the pressure out there i'm not scared to say i want to win because but you must experience doubt Oh, everybody experiences doubt. Yeah, and so do you have strategies? But, like, yeah, but I think by my, my I, I'm run sheerly on paranoia. Yeah, I, I love to put that pressure on myself and 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 say, okay, I expect, um, I expect Hi. to. Oh, we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're doing <laughs> I expect to, um, I expect to win, and 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 that way, I, when I'm in the race, there's, there's that, that oh man, what if I don't? Like, yeah. you, you definitely have that thing, but I. I've had to live with those failures as well. Like people are like, oh, he's so arrogant. But a lot of times I've said I'm going to win, and I've failed in a why, and, yeah. and I've had to live with it. Yeah. But it's it's my personal war. It's not, it's it's nobody else's. I, I yeah. just, I just, I think I, I attribute that all to my mother because she always said to me, if you're going to do something, believe you can do it. Chase your dreams, and it's a dream. And winning a why and winning events and being the best I can be is my dream. And it's not wrong to, for that dream to be as big as I want it to be. And I want to, I want to be the best triathlete in the world yeah. for a certain period of time yep. and, and it's my time to shine and, and that means destroying everybody who gets in my way then that's what I intend to do. So at the end of your career um, when you look back how would you like to think you've been like I know it's not the end but you know like, how would you like to think you'd be perceived as an athlete? Um, I, I'd like to be, think I'd be perceived as a guy who, who no matter what race it was gave 100% because um, it's, it's funny as I've got older I, I never used to think about this but when I've had my two girls and my children I, I look at them and I think I always ask myself that question how are you guys going to look back on this yep. you know like at the moment it's nothing but I wonder if in 10 years they'll even give a crap yeah but kids I always, are funny <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder if, if they're going to look at this and go jeez and I always wonder what they'll think and I, I always think 
I just want them to look at the way I raced. I raced with honour and integrity. I was I, I played fair all the time, and I was brave enough to chase mm. to chase the dream. And that's what I encourage my kids. If you, I don't care whether you want to be an actress, whatever, have the courage to to chase. Because ninety nine percent of people don't have the courage. They'll sit there on the chat sites and on their armchair and criticise the person who does. Yeah. I call them cowards. Yeah. I think the brave ones are the ones to put the foots forward and say, you know what, I want to be the best triathlete in the world. That's takes courage and, yeah man and, and, i totally respect you know what yeah. i mean and, and, and it's putting yourself out there and that's, that's a risky and 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 you aspire to do that and you take you do what you need to do and you do what you have to do to achieve that goal and if you do it 100 percent, anything's possible and i'll be saying that to my children if i'm if i go ahead and and tick a y off my list i'll have achieved everything i ever wanted to achieve out of this sport and i'll be able to show them the list i wrote out when i was in 1992 of the events i wanted to win yep. and every single one of them will be ticked off and i'll say look kids to my two girls I dreamed of that 20 years before it happened, and, it, and I made it happen, and, and you girls can do anything you want to do. And, and I, that's what I'd like to be remembered as, a guy who gave 100% and never gave up on and never stopped believing that the, they, yeah, could, they could... You are kind of coming towards the later part of your career. Do you, yeah. do you actually start to think of the afterlife? A lot of the time. Yeah. yeah a lot of the time I, I think of what am I going to do after the sport, and, and I've had retail shops, and I've had a, a lot of things, and you know, I talk to my wife about that a lot, but I think... I think this sport is strong enough in the strong enough uh, yeah, in well, they're, well, offering think, me, they're offering me food, so I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. food, yeah. It's easy. Food, yes. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I think the sport if 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 I can see it, I think the sport should be able to sustain athletes past their career in, in coaching positions and that's why I'm so passionate about building the sport yeah. because I think the sport has so much to offer and if it's if it's run the right way and, and, and set in the right direction, there's a lot of opportunities for people like myself and, oh, yeah. and other people to, to have a longevity in the yep. sport well after their racing career and helping others aspire. Look at, look at people like Sebastian Cohen running and, and Steve Ovette. These guys yep. have, have been involved in athletics their whole career and they've yep. worked in their life. And, you um on the training side of things. One thing you you use the term you were using. People were cheating today, but not in a bad way. The, the, um, you've just been to Colorado and you've yes. been using altitude. Oh, and yeah. uh, tell us what you think about it. Our oh, altitude is just. Uh, I accessed it in 1996 as a short course athlete, and it's very very different than um than when you access it as a long course guy, and the demands are purely aerobic. And I went up there for a month, and and the, the three races I've done at sea level is just ridiculous how. Yeah. Especially in the areas where you, you they tend to come along slowest. Like my, my swim is definitely the the last of my three disciplines to when I'm when yeah. I'm coming into form. That's the last one that ever comes through, and just the ease at which which you can do this at, at sea level is ridiculous. And and I've my speeds come up, my my aerobic engine's much stronger, and I, I'm really looking forward to doing my Hawaii block there. I think, you know. When I left Hawaii last year, I said, how can I find 71 seconds? What are things I'm not doing? Yeah. And attitude was definitely one thing I looked at, and it's incredible, the, the difference. I'm very, You're saying very, you did, what, 112 last one, weekend? 112, around a 72 for the for the half off the bike. And which you're, is you're cruising, you reckon? Cruising. I shut, shut it down. I couldn't believe. And and I knew I was running fast. That was the beauty. You, you yeah. know, I knew I was travelling very, very quickly. Well, it was funny because we were and commenting at the time. We were saying... Well, surely Mecca was, you know, you wouldn't be smacking yourself too much just close to road, and, yeah. but and you were doing amazing time. It was amazing. Just... I couldn't, I couldn't believe how comfortable I ran it. And 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 you look at the the times, you know, there was Waldo there, there was 
you know, young Luke McKenzie and Oscar Galindez and yep. some solid guys. They're running high 78s, 79s. Yep. Oscar ran in the 80s, and here, boom, 72. I was like, geez. And then I always look at the women's times to see, you know, you're always apprehensive about the, the distances of the course, but yep. I can only go off what the other guys have done and, and where my times relate to them in, in the past. And, and, and I knew I was travelling quick and it felt easy doing it, and I'm, I'm convinced that that attitude, whether it's placebo or yeah, whatever, it, it, it works. It's cheating. <laughs> so, so what in your career, what have been the key training things that have made you get to the level you're at now? I think um, I've, I've, I've had one, a guy I've worked with since, since day one who's not, he, he was involved in triathlon in the beginning, never as a professional, more as, a, but as, a, as an amateur, but he used to work in the media side of things in Australia. Yeah. And he's the the vainous. He doesn't mind me saying he's probably the vainest individual I've ever met in my life. He's got a, he's, he's in his late forties. He, he looks amazing, yeah. and and he looks amazing because he is so vain. He's, yeah. he's vain. <laughs> so because of that, I think he um he I, I trust his opinion on things so much because he's read and studied so much about the body, yep. so much about <clears throat> aging and and how to look after a body. And and triathletes have this immense tendency to to more is better philosophy and, and kill themselves and measure themselves purely from a mileage perspective. How much have I done? Yeah, how yeah. much have I done? And, 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 and Mick comes at things from a completely different sphere. He's more holistic in the approach that he understands mileage and, and training totally, but he also looks at things from another angle. And he works with myself, Stuart O'Grady, um, Sonny Bill Williams, some of the yep. best sports people yep. in Australia. And he, he's fantastic. And I've worked with Mick since... I started the sport, him and, and my running coach Helen McGuckin, and um, things have never changed. And we've learnt and we've learnt the sport together. And I think the greatest thing for me is that I've been able to adapt my training processes myself, as opposed to relying on someone else to say you need to do this. So yep. I've, I've been very, very happy and confident in knowing what I know what I need to do to get the best out of myself. And and Mick and and, and Helen are two people I sit down with every year, and we go through a season. And and there's no crap with them yep. I'll be straight out honest I think you did this wrong and I think there's no oh you're the big superstar I yep. need to, yep. to pimper you yeah, yeah, yeah. Pimper you. brutally honest brutally brutally honest and then my my third Hawaii attempt when I failed I came back and and I was very very confident for the first time in my career I was lost personally because at the end of the day I make the ultimate decision I'm like, yeah. and I sat down in Australia got back from Hawaii Mick opens a beer boom Okay, talk me through it, kid, what happened out there. Yeah. And I poured it all out, thought he'd be all sympathetic, and he said, mate, what did I tell you in July? You were too skinny. Uh -huh. I told you all these things. You were too skinny. You're, you're aging. You hadn't done the mileage in April, these are things, and that's why you And then he said, I'm not, it's not a told you so, yeah. but what did I tell you in July? You will falter on the run in a while. You're too skinny, and you laughed at me. And I looked at him, and, and it, you know, the first thing you're like, everyone else is being, oh, it's all right, yeah. you're all right. Next year. Yeah, next year. It'll be good. And I was like, you know what, Mick? I needed to hear that. And that's what I respect about him. There's no... He's like, well, what are you going to do about it next year? So yep. it's no... He got his opinion across. Yep. What and then what's best about, for you? What's best for you? There's mm. no ego. He's, and, and he talked about the ageing body. And I'm in my 30s. Yep. And, and as he said, I was... Because he's so vain, he's always pushing weights. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he talks about his strongest years... We're in his thirties. Oh, he was nice. definitely at the most strongest, but he was. The body is more fragile. It can it can injure a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So you need to nurse it and look after it a lot more than you ever have in your twenties. You can cut corners in your twenties. You yeah. miss massages. Yeah. You don't need to stretch. You don't need to do core work. Things that pussies do when they're in their twenties. Yeah. 
But in the 30s, these become the most important parts of your training regime. And, and he showed me a lot of that, especially bringing flexibility in the equation and, and developing strength early in the season with, with good hill work and good... Yep. which will sustain you through your, through your latter stage. And I, I, I believe him wholeheartedly, and that's that's the key to success in any relationship, is a full-on belief and trust in, in your support network, and I think that's why I've been successful, because I've never, ever had doubt in the people that I've worked with. Do you, do you spend much time still focusing on your technique? I do now, yes. It, yeah. it, it, Mick, it was funny, when it, we, he came to Europe with me when I was just after I won the World Championships in, when I was 24 years of age, and he used to be drilling me with these things, flexibility technique. Yeah. And when you're in your 20s, you're like, mate, Whatever. I just want to train harder, yeah. you know? Like, I want to be... And it's funny how we've evolved because he, he's always drilled me on it. So he used, to, he used to drag me down and make me do my run technique, my run drills, my swim drills, my, my bike drills, my power efforts, all these things that were I used to think were an absolute waste of time. Yep. And correct my bike, correct my pedaling technique, always correcting my pedaling technique. But I've never had an injury in my life, touch wood. Never, yeah. in my whole career. And and only a year and a half ago, Mick actually said to me, have you ever asked yourself why you've never had an injury? Like, Because mm, of the moment and everything. So yeah, good. he's yeah. like, have you ever thought maybe you've been doing the right thing for a long period of time and and you're continually adapting and, and doing the right little things? And, and I was like, you know what, Mick, you're right. Like, he's always, had I been left to my own devices without his influence... Probably would never have stretched. Yeah. Would never have had the protein shake at the end of a training session. Yeah. I would never ha- have done the little things that I think have added up over the years to enable. Which, 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 which it's like the fact you haven't had an injury is pretty amazing because you smash it. Yeah, you totally. Work hard every day totally. on your body. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I attribute a lot of that to the knowledge and 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 the influence that Mick has had on um, just continually reminding me in the right way. He, he knows me so well. We're, we're closest of friends yeah he knows me so well he knows how to say things yeah. and, and he knows when to say and it, it works to a t and i, I think um i think he's, he's i look back now as i'm aging i think man you know what i'm just glad i i wasn't that young arrogant snotty little i'm too cool for school kid yeah. i was world champion and yeah, I could have thought I, yeah i could have yeah. thought you know you don't know crap you, you never did this sport you don't yeah. and i listen to you mate because yeah biomechanically every time i go to to you know, biomechanical things with the AIS and that. They're yep. like, geez, your, your body's in good shape. And I think, yeah, well, geez, you're flexible. Geez, you're... Yep. And for a guy who's 34 this year, it's 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 been a, a godsend. You, 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 you've, I've heard you often talk about how passionate you are about the sport, you know, and you've, yeah. you've just passion to the max. And I just, like, one thing I love talking about with like guys like Scott Molina and the guys I've met who I've been fortunate enough to meet is some of the things you've loved about the sport not involving you. Yes. And maybe just you want to share some of those things? Or? Oh, yeah, I... Um, I think my passion, I think passion, the word, and when you think of as a young kid and you think back to when you were young, you get inspired by something, something yeah. you look at and think, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. For some yeah. people, it's watching a You know what, surf. this morning when I was looking at you and you were talking, you know, the, idea, the spark on your eyes when they talked about the, um, going for the record. And, you know, I yeah, just, yeah. You know, for yeah. me, that was totally. really inspirational. Well, I, I was just I like, go, You go back to the period when you saw it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not a, it's real. Yeah. So you saw, and, and for me, the first thing that ever inspired me was an, why I wanted to become an, a sports person, get involved in sport, was at Los Angeles Olympics. Yep. I was 10 years of age, and I watched that guy fly into that Olympic stadium with, oh, the, no. with the thing, and I just was sitting there in absolute awe, yep. you know, just going, this is the greatest, this is sport, you know. Yeah. Like, this is, and I sat for 16 days as a 10-year-old kid glued to the television, yep. and I remember that to this day, 24 years later, yep. just how inspiring Olympics was, and sports people, and mm. that's when I 
at that point said, I want to do sport. I never thought I'd make a prof- be a professional sports yeah. person. I never, and and, and anyway, and, and I guess I, I, I used to always surf as a kid, but I guess that Olympics, I thought, you know what? At the time, Robert De Costello was an Australian marathon runner, the best in the world, and our whole country was, was set around Deke. And, and he was the one who made me think, you know what? I wouldn't mind running. I want to be like Deke. Yep. So he was, you know, and that's why I was saying you need stars because youth is inspired by yeah. things they can relate to. Mm. And you're taking this, they're, they're destroying that. They're taking it out. They're saying, hey, we don't keep score anymore. Yeah. Um, we don't. No, everyone's a winner. Yeah. Kids, participation. Right? Participation. <laughs> and, and, and I understand that to, to a, a point, point. Yeah. but kids aren't stupid. They see Ian Thorpe on television with the gold medal. They see the guy, the foot, they follow their football team and see them, they beat the other team. They know, yeah. they know what winning is. Mm. And it's not bad to win. Don't punish the kid who wants to win. That's what I think the drive is towards mediocrity. The winner, the kid who wins has been punished for winning. Let's yeah. support. And it's wrong. Yeah. And I think you need to inspire kids and, and, and I was inspired obviously by the Olympics and then turning on the the first triathlon I ever watched in my life was on the ABC in 1991 I watched Miles Stewart win the world championships and I know Miles very well now but at the time I flicked it on I was like oh there's a guy in Australian jersey running with an American guy Mike yeah. Pig and a Kiwi guy Rick yeah. Wells and a and I was just go Aussie. I didn't even know who this guy was. I was going, I watched the whole thing. I went, geez, that was bloody cool. And I could relate because I'd run, and I could relate because I'd ridden a bike to school, yeah. and I could relate because I can swim. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of our sport and the strength of our sport is everybody can relate to it in some sense because everyone's ridden a bike, everyone's mm. run sometimes, everyone's swam. And then, obviously, the Hawaiian Ironman and those events came on television, and 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 superstars like Mark Mark Allen really. Really, I looked at this guy and just was super impressed. And, and um, you know, not so much Dave Scott, who, it's funny, that's who Michael, my, the guy I work with a lot, that's his sporting idol, oh, is really? Dave, and, and I'm Mark, so it's good that we come from things from two different angles. Yeah. And uh, watching Mark really got me interested in, in Iron Man, just the whole story. And if you look at those old coverages in the 80s and the early 90s, they focused on the race. Yep. You know, they were definitely stories. Yeah, was, yeah. There was def- but they focused on first to seventh. Like I could tell you, there was you know yeah. you watch those old yep. coverages, Mark and Dave and Welshy and yep. and all these people and Paulie Cure and Jurgen Zach and and uh, they were they were incredible sports stars. And I think the fact that Greg Welsh came from the same town as I as I do in, in Australia, and he used to come back from the Hawaiian Ironman in '91 and '92, and we used to run in the same club oh wow I used to watch this guy on telly, and suddenly he was a person yeah. who was real, like a touch and feel. That was when I think the transition was. This is possible. You can you can do it because I think when you're watching television a lot, it, yeah. it's still be, it's still quite unreal. But when mm. the guy comes there and standing in your and you're running with him, then it becomes very very real. And and uh, that was when I thought, this is a sport for me, mate. I want to I want to do this stuff and and I don't want to be good at it. What about what about competitors? Who who are the competitors you admire the most? I think uh, when I look back at my career, uh, the the guy I've had the most wars with will be. Uh, what do you have for hot Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. Oh, we can pause. <laughs> we can pause. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So we we're, we're just talking too much, and I thought we better put the recorder on. I'm yeah. gonna just I'm talking oh. now. We're on. But um, we stopped for dinner at the station. Yeah. We had a good feed. What was it? Bit of chicken with onions yeah, and some German dish. What, what's the, what's the owner of the house name? Susie and Jack. Susie and Jack. They could put on a feed. I was well impressed. They said, "Do you want to stay for dinner?" I was like, "Bring it on!" But anyway, before we kind of um, hit stop for dinner, I asked you. Oh, because we need ice cream, so we've got to kind of wrap this up in some time. But um, I asked you the competitors you most respected. Oh yes, yes, yeah. right. I think um, when I look back at my career, the 
and the guys that I've respected the most, um, and I think it's because of the guys I've had the most tough battles with. Hamish Carter is the first. So why? Tell, give me some detail on why, why Just, you respect um, these guys. I, I first saw Hamish, I was a junior in 1993 in Manchester, and um, and I watched it was a year. Spencer Smith won the ITU World Championships and on drafting, and Hamish Carter was this kid from New Zealand who I'd seen four months earlier come to Australia and I, you know, all we knew about was Brad Bevan and, and Greg Welsh and he just did an absolute number on everybody up at a race at the Isle of Pines on the Gold Coast, very, very hilly and uh, I remember his interview on television, he said it was very much like the hills out the back of Auckland that he trained on, he, he smashed the field apart and I, I just got into the sport so the guys he just blew to smithereens were the guys I thought were the, the best in the guns, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking who's this kid? And uh, he was only two and a half years older than me, so I used to think, shit, you know, this guy's incredible. Then I went to Manchester as a junior and, and, and watched him come along and finish third place behind Spencer Smith and Simon Lessing. And and then, you know, obviously a few years later, I, my first World Cup, he beat me by a couple of sprint finish and, and then World Championships, I beat him by yeah. a, basically a sprint finish and a good World Games, I beat him by a sprint And so many of the World Cups... That he's won, I was second in, and, yeah. and the ones I've won, he's second in. So I go through my my photo albums at home, and I'm like, Jesus, Hamish. And so I've had so many battles with him that he's definitely, I couldn't have been happier for a guy who won in Athens. I don't think there was a, a more deserving champion than him. He just, I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm an Aussie, I got a bit of Kiwi blood, but I was absolutely jumping around yeah. with joy when he won that race. I just think he paid his dues and deserved yep. that title yep. and he deserves to be Olympic champion because he, his career is just incredible nice. um, Craig Walton is one of the young guys well, he's younger than me but and it's funny having Hamish Older and Craig Younger he, he sort of came along Waldo he was just dynamite you really? know like the best swimmer in the sport and uh, incredible biker and incredible competitor and I had a lot of a lot of huge battles with him and uh, he's a guy I respect and obviously Simon Lessing um, you know, he was a guy I just thought was invincible. Because he, he was amazing, wasn't he? In the this... greatest I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, yeah. The, so why was he so great? He never had a, a weakness. He was the most incredible competitor. He, he hated like no one else I've ever met. He, he was rude, arrogant yeah. in every way, and he very, much, very, very intimidating character. Yeah. And um, and and Hamish, any of the guys who have raced him back in in the nineties, he was. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Never. You looked at this guy and you just could not work out how to beat him. Wow. He, could, he could swim with the best swimmers. He was one of the top three bikers and yeah. no one could match him on the run. Yeah. And um, and he just never had a weakness, never had a flaw, and, and he made sure you knew it. And he had an incredible tendency to, if you became a, a threat, he really treated you like dirt. Oh, really? And, and, and really tried to intimidate. He was very much... He was a, he played was, the game. Played the game very, very professional. I learned a lot from... In, in a sense, I look back, I learned a lot from the way he handled himself in, in the sport, and I, I took a lot from that because when I beat him in the, to win my world title, I thought I, the following year in 1998, you know, I'm the world champion, I'm two years in the game, and I thought with the world title came intimidation. Yeah. You know, you'd be able to sit at the press conference and people would be scared. Yeah. And I used to sit there and try and talk big, and, and the absolute confidence of Simon Lessing, who would just sit there, look at me in the eye and go, yeah, I'm, I'll bring it tomorrow, yeah, I'm ready. And it scared me to death. Oh, and that, really? That's where, I, when I realised the the importance of belief, this guy yeah. was not in any way intimidated by my world title. And I've all, I've said that a lot since that a world champion, a world title doesn't make you a champion. Yeah. You know, there's more to it, and uh, there's a lot of athletes out there who have 
got world titles and have never gone on to do anything else. It's yep. just because it's it Hit doesn't one good race. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. bring intimidation, and, and intimidation comes from, from self belief and, and a career and, and longevity and the ability to 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 put a season together year after year it builds mm. confidence and 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 trust in yourself. And Simon had that; he was phenomenal. And um, I think they're the, the main yeah. three guys from. And it's funny because I think I talk about the short course guys as my most fiercest competitors. Yet I've been at the end of this year, I'll have been an Ironman athlete for as long as I was a short course athlete. That was the, for my wife told me that earlier this year. Wow. And I, yeah. It's like you reckon? She said like, <laughs> you, you started in '96 and really uh, you did your first Ironman in, in '02. So you were you were six years as a, as yeah. a short course, and this in, at the end of this year will be 2008. I'll be yeah. six years as an Ironman. So it'll be. I was thinking, far out has it been? Geez, that went quick. So, so you've got the Santa thing, obviously, but do you have any other Ironman people who? Well, yeah, I um, I guess, you know, Norman and Norman and Farris are two two guys that um, you know, I, I've, I've I've always had an issue with Norman. It's funny, Norman and I, my issue didn't stem from Hawaii. We've always had an issue with each other since Junior Worlds in '93. I didn't even oh, really? know Norman Stadler back then, and Brian Rhodes was there to back this story up. Oh, there was a young, yeah, there was a young uh, German girl. Oh, it's all about the girls. <laughs> comes back to the no, it's, it was an, at the after party in Manchester in this nightclub, yeah. and I was, and I'll never forget it. I, I, didn't know, I was chasing after this German girl, and Norman Stadler, who I didn't know from a bar of soap, you know, it was my fourth triathlon. Yeah. He come over and and he, he sort of said a few words to me, and we sort of pushy shove And Brian Rhodes, it's when I met Brian, backed me. I didn't even know this guy, uh-huh. and he's like, "Yeah, you're an idiot," and rack off. And Norman went away, and I think. That animosity, because we've bumped yep. into each other yep. all through our short course career, and he couldn't do short course to save his life because he couldn't swim. Yeah. But um, so I never used to rate him. I used to think you're a goose. And then back when I was doing short course, and I think a lot of short course people make this mistake, and, and, and only after doing Ironman do I realise it. You disrespect the Ironman as an event. I used to think the Ironman was for people who couldn't crack it in the big league, yep. which was the short course. Cup. Short yep. course, and it always tended to be the guys that were hopeless at short course. Went to Ironman, so yep. I used to think, wait until we go to Ironman, you are all dead. And, um, you know, you only got to run four minutes a K, and that's 2.48 marathon, that's yep. a breeze. And it's, it's, it was definitely a, a learning curve for me. It's much more difficult than yep. I thought. And then when I came across, Norman and I started to race each other a lot more. And, yep. and there's always been that little, you know, we never hated each other like we, I don't think we hate each other yeah, now. But the, the, we, we, the never, we never sent each other Christmas cards, and then yep. it blew up last year. So Norman and Farris in the Ironman are the two guys that I want to smash more than anybody, and that's just for personal reasons. And cause... anyone else, like, did Peter push you in, in his day, or...? Oh, I think a lot of the guys, um, Peter Reid and, and that, in the beginning, I think I rubbed them the wrong way, and, and probably rightfully so, because I came in and, and yep, just okay. expected so much yep. from myself. So there was a few things they said when I first came along, and, and I, I wore them as, as... I wear them fairly, you know? I said, I'm going to kick your ass, and they... Yep. They hammered me, and they happily said in the press, "Well, where are you? You didn't kick my ass." And I and I'm happy to wear them, and I have no animosity towards them at all. But I um, definitely, um, no, you know, I mean, I haven't had any, and that's what I was looking for. I think when to to keep to keep longevity in a career, or to keep you motivated and keep you pushing, because it's such so difficult on the body. You need motivation, and 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 I was taught, like we said before, I was looking at going to to Beijing as as yeah, uh, uh, that thing, that a thing as, and I, I was. I have got no animosity towards any of the athletes I'm racing in, in short course. I yep. know them all, but there's no yep. there's no hatred or there's no... Nothing that drives you. drives you, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I wouldn't mind going to Beijing. It'd be nice and yep. you know, i get a nice track It's a good goal. It's yeah. a good goal. <laughs> maybe that, nice maybe that'll keep me motivated, but yep. I think the greatest thing that ever happened for me for the next for the five years of my career was the two German guys attacking me last year in yep. Hawaii because I was like, anybody who knows me is just 
like you've just done the stupidest thing because that is boom driving force for the next five years because yeah. I just want to say ha I told you so yeah. like now at the end of five years hopefully and I don't, I don't hope I think it will be I'll be able to sit down with Norman Farris and go why don't you bite your words now mate look yeah. at the scoreboard Bring it on. You know? <laughs> hey um, just, I was just thinking on the girl side of things Natasha Batman took out the broke the record and uh, was it Eagle Man for the half yes, the yes, what do you think of her I actually in '97 I, I trained with her and yeah. um, we had the same agent at the time, uh, a Swiss guy, and um, they they brought me into Zoffingen and, and we stayed in Zoffingen and trained a lot with her. She's yeah. a phenomenally disciplined. Yeah. Because um, she's she, you know like I was saying on the show last week how I feel she's probably the triathlete of the last ten years. You yeah. Know, or at least an Ironman. She's yeah. incredibly, incredibly, incredibly disciplined. I've never seen discipline. Really. You know, I, I, it's funny the two. Two, I've lived with two women who were very, very successful. McKeeley Jones, I yeah. spent all of t- 99, all of 2000 living with them. And Natasha Babman's the other one I've spent a lot of time with earlier in my career. When I didn't really understand Ironman, yeah. I've never seen discipline really? like both those girls. They're just, um, they, deserve, they deserve the results they get because yeah. there is nothing else in their life except, really? except just that sport. And, that's, and, and their discipline and their focus is, is incredible. Yeah. Incredible, yeah. It's... Uh, and Natasha is Natasha trains very, very hard, very, very in, in everything. She doesn't eat wrong, she doesn't train wrong, she sleeps, she really? massage four times there's nothing she doesn't do. It ticks all the boxes. Ticks every single box and, and you know, a lot of people cut corners, there's no corner yeah. running with her yeah, right. Well. Hey, um so so from you got wrote this weekend, hopefully you dominate and uh do um so what happens from here? Obviously Hawaii's the big goal. Yes. Um what's your kind of your plan from here on in for the rest of the okay, season? Yeah, with um now, this for, for Roth this week I've done um, a lot more speed work so I've yep. tried to do a lot of speed work early in the season just to pick my, my anaerobic threshold up a little bit yep. and then after Roth I'll have uh, you know so I'm a little to be honest I'm a little apprehensive about the back end of Roth because it's probably the, the most underdone endurance wise I've ever been for an Ironman oh, okay. so there is a little bit of apprehension um, but it should be fine and then well, you've got I'm, an endurance base you? I've got an endurance yeah, base yeah. from five years but I thought pick the speed up because my focus is obviously Hawaii yep. and um, and I'll, I'll finish here in, in Roth I'll have a week off in Europe and, and just chill out then I'm meeting my family in, in the USA we're moving to the States for the next five years oh wow for the next so, five years yeah we packed up everything in Australia wow, and, and yeah we're gonna big move yeah big move which is exciting because I haven't seen the kids for seven weeks oh wow and my wife how do you find that is it hard super hard yeah and that was a lot of the driving force behind let's let's do yeah, this be somewhere I can train and live with you guys yeah exactly yeah. And, and everything for us now is in the northern hemisphere and, and it's too hard to commute between Australia yeah, and last yeah. year I went around the world four times yeah. and so we'll go to we'll go to Santa Barbara check it out and see what obviously my wife needs to pick where we're going to live yeah. and uh, <laughs> she'll, she'll find where we're going to live and, and I'll spend, we'll spend the summer in Boulder training for Hawaii do a lot of endurance base and then look forward to having a, a solid solid race in Hawaii and I think a lot of big players that weren't there last year that are going to be back this year Simbal who was very successful in New Zealand yep. he's he's you know, I always say everyone always talks about the players in a race, but when you really look at a, at a race, there's a lot of people that may not win the race, but can change the shape of an event just by the way they race. People like you know, Bjorn Anderson and his, his spectacular yeah. bike riding, and they open open gaps on people that or, or make things more difficult in, in parts of a race that mightn't have been difficult before. And, and Sinbal is definitely one of those guys who um, who will play a very very integral role in this year's event. I think he, he swims. Very, very well. He's spectacular on the bike, and uh, you know he, he, his run might be good enough to win. But I, I, I'm convinced his his effects on this year's race will huge. Be, be huge. Yeah. 
one thing we, um, you know, like most, yeah, the general Ironman, you know, we go into the race and we think, okay, well, we've got this goal and this is what we have to do to do it. Now, we don't race as such. Well, the general, you know, most of our listeners don't race as such, you know, yes. like it's not that we need to make decisions that are really risky in the race. Yes. For you, it's obviously, how do you calculate what to do and what not to do in a race? It's, it's, it's basic racing. Because it's really risky, isn't it? Yeah, it's very risky and that's why I've said, I think I said it before, I'm not sure, in... When you're racing an Ironman, there's at the pointy end there's a huge margin of error, and that's why you see a lot of these pros and they, some of them get a lot of a very hard time for. Oh, he didn't finish, but the, the, there's such a fine line between absolute explosion yeah. and 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 having the most glorious day of your life. Yeah, and and that's why I think last year when when this animosity with Norman and myself, it was the first time in my career where I've with a race and my wife will verify this and so will Mick and, and my father that I've sat down and was ecstatic with my second place and that's why it hurts so much when they yeah. attack me because that was a big step for me because in, in the past second was absolute yeah. sheer failure yeah. for in, in my in my life and I was I won my second place there last year because at the 10 mile mark of that marathon I was prepared to pay the ultimate price and that was not finished and I yeah. threw it all out and said you know what I want to have a shot at the title, yeah. and, and I had a shot, and I wasn't good enough. Seventy-one seconds short, and I could happily, and I happily shook Norman Staler's hand. And the yeah. first thing I said to him when I crossed the line was, "Congratulations, mate, you're, you're a superstar." Mm. Boom, ended up in the medical tent, and and when I sat there and pondered, I thought there was nothing else I could have done on that day to beat that guy. Yeah. So I have to live with that, and I was ecstatic. And then they attacked me. It's like, mate, you know what? You had a good day. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you, know, like, yeah, you had a good day. Just live with it, and and and. And that was, for me, a, a very, very big learning curve in the sense that I took a chance and and it, it was it was a glorious day. It wasn't the first place result I yeah. wanted, but it was a result. But you know, you gave everything. I gave it everything I got. And that's, and that's all I think anyone can do, whether you're racing, at, if, if you're looking at, at improving times or looking to push yourself. Just be prepared. If you make the decision that you're prepared to, don't ever doubt a decision you make. It's yeah. when you start going, oh, should I go now or... Well, what, what if I made the wrong Just decision? Trust, it. trust your decision. Trust your instincts because it's your instincts that will 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 get you when you when you're suffering. It's your instincts that will will get you home. And yeah. and, uh, and if you've trust if you made the decision purely off instinct in the beginning, then there'll be no doubt that you've made the wrong decision when when the time comes it becomes ugly because it's going to get ugly. Yep. Just um, lastly, um, obviously most of our listeners aren't you know as fast as you are, yeah. <laughs> if only. Um, what's some advice you do give to age group athletes? For, for a, lot of, a lot of the guys I'm working with at home or a lot of people that used to come from my shop and I'd help program for, first and foremost is don't get, you know, don't get so caught up in in, in the, the enormity of the, of the task. You yep. know, it's, it's, it's an enormous, enormous thing in Ironman, but it's, it's achievable, yep. you know, and, and it's, it's been done by thousands of people around the world. It's yep. achievable. So first and foremost, make it, put it into chewable chunks that you can... You can understand, so you can sit there and go, "Okay, I've got to swim 3.8 kilometres. I've done that in the pool many times. It's three 1,000 metre efforts and, a, and an 800. I can do that. You know, make things, set smaller goals, and make it very, very much achievable. And um, don't get caught up in what your other friend hearing what your other friend's training is, because it's amazing. Everybody's doing amazing things, and you always and it happens in the pros. It happens in every sport. You always feel like you're the one not doing enough because yep. everyone. Oh, so Joe Blow did. 700, 700 miles last week <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Fred rode five times up the mountain and you start thinking, geez, am I doing enough? Yeah. I, I say, whoever your coach or your team is, have 100% faith. If that's who you're picking to take you to your Ironman, 
don't ever question it. Yep. Have follow the path to the finish, and that's yep. them. And trust them. If you don't trust them, in the be- then don't pick them at the beginning. Yep. Pick your person. Don't. And that's your path. And when you have trust in that, I think you'll you'll see results. And 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 lastly, enjoy the day. You know, everyone gets um. You know, like I always say, my first I used to have this thing when my first couple of Ironmans, I always walked the finish shoot because I thought, man, I've just suffered for eight and a half yep. hours. Enjoy I want to enjoy every single second of this. And and I think a lot of people get so uptight and so nervous on their first race. They 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 lose the enjoyment. They forget yeah. to enjoy themselves. Yeah. So I say, just remember that it was your choice to do the event. Yep. It's going to be very very tough. You're gonna you're gonna go through things that you never thought you could. But that's that's why you're doing the race. Enjoy the feelings that you're having because yep. you, you'll grow as a person after it. Nice, cool. Hey, I just want to say my battery's starting to run now, so I've got to wrap it up. But I uh, just want to say thank you very much for your time today. Um, you're a great interview. You're just so open. I really appreciate the, uh, the oh, openness right. of you. And uh, just good luck with Rote. Um, you know, bring it on. I'm sure you'll do really well. And good luck for the rest of the season with your Hawaii. I know it's a big race for you, and I know the whole world seems to be watching. And yeah. uh, <laughs> um, so, and I'm sure lots of our uh, listeners will be supporting you along the way. And uh, so, yeah, just thanks, and uh, good luck this weekend. Right. No worries. Right, thanks, man. We've just we've finished the interview, but Mac, I just said something brilliant, and I want to hear. Say it again, mate. The guy who won the two hundred thousand. Oh, the guy. I was just saying that the I was looking at your computer, and you showed the results of the two hundred thousand race, Des Moines race, yeah. and, and Rasmus Henning, who's a, a Danish guy. He's, he trains a lot with Sinbal. Yeah. He impresses me. That, that really? kid. He, so when he comes to Ironman, we're in we're in big trouble. He's he's definitely one of the guys that when he comes to Ironman, I'll be very 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 worried. He's capable of of, of anything in Ironman racing. Really. Hopefully I'm well and truly out of by, <laughs> by that, but he is um, just phenomenal. Phenomenal athlete, and and, pheno- and I've spent a lot of time with him on the short course circuit, and I've really followed him because he really impressed me. As I was sort of getting out, he came in and, as a swimmer, and a lot of the times back then when I was riding exceptionally well, I'd see this kid come over the top of me on the bike. Like, Geez, you got some bike strength as well, and, yeah. and he's really developed his run to be, you know, one of, running against guys like Gomez and Carterfelt, and they, they can run, and uh, he's matching it with those guys, so. Watch out, world. Very, very dangerous. He has no weaknesses, and he has a huge uh, aerobic base. Uh, uh, he, he did an Ironman um, a few years ago as a training day in, in Denmark. I was there to watch it in Sweden with Jonas Colting, and and um, he, he did like eight. He got he finished behind Sandvang, and he was training. He had training wheels on, and he did like eight thirty-five. And he uh. was. I remember thinking, "Geez, I'd never done an Ironman at that point." And I thought, "Mate," and now I've done a few, and knowing where this guy's coming from, he's. One to watch out for. One to watch out for in the future. Yeah, mate, hopefully, hopefully he chases a couple more Olympics and I'm well and truly done. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, that's a little extra tidbit for you guys. There we go. Thanks, Mecca. So once again, I just want to say thanks to Mecca for putting his time out for doing the interview with us. Just some insight on uh, my experience in Rote so far. It's uh, now. It's, I'm actually recording this on Thursday morning. Uh, it's pretty early in the morning right now. It's uh, been such a wicked experience. I really feel fortunate that I've been given this opportunity to do this. Um, and even just this show gives me the opportunities to spend times with people like Mecca, you know. One thing is, like last night, we, we interviewed for about an hour, but I was there for about three or four hours, and we just talked triathlon. And it's I think it's every triathlete's dream, you know. You get around with your mates, and you talk triathlon, and you just talk everything about triathlon. And, you know, I'm doing it with, you know, the best in the world. And uh, it was just a really cool experience. Uh, everything about this road trip has kind of been really amazing. The people in Germany are just absolutely fantastic. Um, they just go out of their way to make you feel welcome. I just haven't had a bad experience with anybody, and, and all my experiences have been amazing. Um, road is the area. It's just so beautiful. You've got all these little villages, and you kind of bike from one to the other, and um, yesterday I went and sat outside and had a coffee and an outside cafe and 
for those of you who are in New Zealand, it's just such a completely different world, and uh, I know it's pretty special. The race side of things, it's it's actually a little bit different than what you do in normal races, um, because Road is basically a really small village, around 20,000 people, and the race seems to go, like in the race you ride through 20 villages or around 20 villages, so it's quite small, each village. And so, you, like, today's Thursday, race day is Sunday. Now, yesterday when I was riding around, I don't think I saw maybe one athlete, whereas when you go to New Zealand, maybe three or four days out from the race, um, or in Hawaii, you know, the, the town where it's raced, like Kona or Taupo, the town is consumed by athletes, and I've just noticed that it's not really the case here yet. Maybe it'll pick up today. It'll be interesting to see if it does, but um, it'll just be interesting to see, uh, just because it's more spread out, you don't really notice that as such, although today is the day where it really kicks in. Today we've got the Athletes Village opening up, and uh, we have um, all the briefings today, and uh, the convention area, all that kind of stuff starts to happen today. So other than that, um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm actually over my tiredness now. I had a really tired period in the first few days just because I was bloody had the big flight, but I'm actually feeling really good right now, quite excited about the race, and talking to Maka last night just really inspires you, so that was pretty cool. I've got a few interviews lined up today. I'm going to be interviewing um, Belinda Granger, and I think Luke Dragster, and Chris McDonald. Uh, those are people I've been talking to. Uh, basically carry my computer around and chuck my mic in front of anybody, so... Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, just quickly go over our sponsors. Iron Man Talk is proudly brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii. And uh, just for now, it's going to do a brief one today. But just go onto the website, jump on if you haven't already got the membership card. That'd be really great if you can join up to that. The advantage of that is that they send through specials to you, um, just offering you deals that they don't really put on their website normally. And it's advantage to doing it. Athlinks.com is a website for social networking for athletes. And we've noticed that lots of you have actually joined up. Um, if you haven't joined up, join up. Because what we're going to start doing is really looking at how we can increase the community use of the Ironman Talk community. So uh, that will probably happen once I get back from Root and LA. But uh, check it out because it's really cool. And it's got some really cool innovations there. So that's today's show. I will probably get another show out tomorrow. And uh, it's full steam ahead. So here we go. Iron Russ, Iron Men Don't. Train hard, train smart. Kia kaha.